If you have your Bibles, uh, turn to Exodus 24. And we're going to read the last portion of Exodus 24. Just put your finger there. Um, and we'll get started here in a minute. We'll give you time to look that up. Um, I, uh, um, let's pray. Let's do that. <laughs> Father, Lord, we whew, come before you. Ask, Lord, that you would raise the expectation, the, the ceiling level on our expectations. Lord, I ask, Lord, for forgiveness where we have asked you to come to us and our box was too small. I ask, Lord, that you would, by your grace and mercy, lift the ceiling, lift the lid on our expectations. Um, <clears throat> if you are, so when I start to speak, it's not an invitation to run up or anything like that, but if you begin to feel heat in your body, uh, check yourself out. Uh, while, while we're just anytime during the service, but I just wanted to say that uh, this morning just to make us aware because I just wonder how often we limit him by our expectations. Um, so anyway, okay. You have your Bibles? Exodus 24, that's not where I'm going first. I'm gonna go here first. <laughs> I, uh, at the beginning of the year, I, I really felt like that the Lord well, and it's not just about Grace Center. This is about the church at large. The, the church at large is growing up into looking like Jesus. And look, I don't mean with the beard and everything. I mean like his mannerisms and that sort of stuff. But what I mean by that is, is that uh, I believe that there is a marrying of the word and the spirit. It's coming together. And these two, they're supposed to be together. I don't know who got, made them divorced, but anyway, they're supposed to be together. But anyway, but I, I, I use this uh, verse because this verse is so stuck out to me at the beginning of the year. And uh, Jesus was talking to the, the Sadducees and the Sadducees were trying to trick him. And uh, they were saying, hey, you know, this, let's just say that this guy gets married and then he dies and his brother marries her, then he dies. And then, you know, on and on, he's got seven brothers. At the end of the age, who's going to be married to him? And he's like, oh, bless your heart. That's a great, that's a great try. And he says, you know, your, 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 your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. Because if you did, you wouldn't have asked me that question. So uh, I just thought that was very kind of the Lord to do that. And so I've really felt like that, that for us as a congregation, for the church, uh, you know, at large, that the Holy Spirit is actually breathing on the church in, the, in these whatever days that we're in, in days, in time days where the church is going to be able to walk the walk and talk the talk and demonstrate with power. And so, like I said before, you know, I, I grew up in the church and uh, knew people that, that could recite scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture, and yet there was no power. And at the same time, you know, I was over in Mozambique, Africa, and uh, ministering with Heidi Baker, and she, you know, wanted me to uh, speak to these uh, little uh, preachers out in the bush. And uh, on my way to minister at this little 
hut that they were in. She said, oh, by the way, Jeff, uh, several of these guys have raised people from the dead. And I'm like, uh, what, what, like, are you kidding me? Like, what am I going to speak to them about? But when I got there, I realized that they didn't know the scriptures. And so that was the, the dilemma. So anyway, I'm not, I'm not casting a shadow or pointing a finger at either side. I'm just saying that uh, the Lord, the Holy Spirit is going to begin to cause us to flow in and out or, or, or to marry these two things together. So anyway, so that's why I wanted to say that. So, okay, Exodus 25, Exodus 24, we're going into 25, I'm sorry. <laughs> Exodus 24, and uh, this is, I'm gonna start with verse 15. Now, what's just happened right before uh, in, in the passage is that God has called Moses out and said, I wanna meet with you. And, uh, uh, and, and so let's read. Verse 15, then Moses went up to the mountain and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it for six days. On the seventh day, God called to Moses from the midst of the clouds. To the eyes of the sons of Israel, the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the mountaintop. Moses entered the midst of the cloud as he, as he went up to the mountain and Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. So set this up. So God's called him. Moses shows up. The, cloud, the, the, the mountain is smoking. There's a cloud and God calls him into this place. He calls him into this smoke covered, whatever you mountain and doesn't say a word for six days. So I was thinking, huh, I wonder what Moses was thinking. Did I miss it? Did I think I heard from him? Wonder where he is. Wonder what he's doing. And all the while, you can imagine that, I don't know, I'm not trying to be overdramatic, but probably tension was starting to build in Moses. I know it would be with me. And on the seventh day, God calls to him and says, hey, I want to talk to you. And so you're thinking, Wow. To wait six days before you say something, this must be pretty important as to what you're about to say. What was it that he was about to say? Look in, verse, look in chapter 25, verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, tell the sons of Israel to raise a contribution or an offering for me. From every man whose heart moves him, you shall raise my contribution, my offering. This is the offering which you are to raise from them, gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, scarlet material, fine linen, and on and on and on. Verse eight, let them construct a sanctuary for me that I may dwell among them. So the thing that God wanted to emphasize was, hey, I, I want a place to be with you. I want a place to live with you so that we can commune together, so I can live among you. And he, God was so intent on this place that he actually had to put his spirit into two men, two craftsmen, I can't remember their names, one of them starts with a O, but anyway, two men that in order for them to be able to, to comprehend the, the, the explicit details of what he was wanting and, and, and also be able to uh, uh, be the craftsman to, 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 have, to, to build what he's wanting. And so it's like, wow, wow, God, you're going to a lot of, of effort to get this place 
I mean, he talks about the dimensions. He talks about the height, the width, the length. I mean, this is all the stuff that really bores us because there's 50, you know, 50 rings on this rod and 50 rings on this rod and 50 across that. And it's, it's like, what? And then he gets into, he gets into Exodus 25, verse 17, as he's talking about the dimensions, he says this, he says, I want you to make an ark. And this is the, the ark of the covenant. And uh, uh, the, so the ark of the covenant was actually it's a place where God was going to meet. And so then he so he goes on. To, I'm sorry, I'm getting pulled out here. Then he then make the ark's cover the place of atonement. Everybody say focus. Thank you so much from pure gold. <laughs> It must be 45 inches long, 27 inches wide. Then make two cherubim from hammered gold. Place them on the two ends of the atonement cover. Mold the cherubim on each end of the atonement cover, making it all one piece of gold. Jeff, why did you highlight that? Because this verse is the first verse where we see the word atonement. I want to talk to you today about atonement. It's in verse 17, uh, 17 through 19. Then verse 20. The cherubim will face each other and look down on the atonement cover. With their ring, wings spread above it, they will protect it. Place inside the ark the stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant. Then put the atonement cover on top of the ark. I will meet with you there and talk to you from above the atonement cover between the gold cherubim that hover over the ark of the covenant. From there, I will give you my commands for the people of Israel. Now, some of your translations say the mercy seat, right? The, the, the point that I'm wanting to draw out is this is God who is given specific instructions to Moses about the place that he wants them to build for him to live. And he is given the, the, the dimensions, the materials, the specifics, all of this. And, yet, and he is saying that uh, uh, the place that I am going to meet with you is called the atonement, the atonement cover. That's the place. It's like, I will meet with you there. Where? The place of atonement. So, huh. Why? I mean, after all, God, you are, uh, you, you're, you're the omniscient, you're the omnipotent, you're the all-powerful God the earth is the Lord's and all that it contains. And so you own everything. Why would you choose one place to meet? And that's what we're going to talk about. There's one place. He said, I can meet with you in one place. It'll be right here at the atonement cover. I will meet with you there. I will talk to you. So I want us to look at this place of atonement. So let me just say something else. This that, he, that, we're, that, that he's describing is a type. It's actually pointing to something in the New Testament. It's a type. This is a type. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Leviticus 17, 11. What is this thing, atonement? What is, we're not gonna get into all the details of it, but I'm just gonna uh, give it a, a really a good run this morning. Le Leviticus 17, 11. For the life of the body is in its blood. I have given you the blood on the altar to purify you. 
making atonement. I put in, I put in italicized atonement. It actually reads making you right with the Lord. It is the blood given in exchange for a life that makes purification possible. So the life of the body is in its blood. So the life of a bull or a goat or ram or sheep or a dove is in the body. The place of the sacrifice is what he's saying. The place of sacrifice, the place of the shedding of that blood is the place that I'll meet with you. That's where I'll talk to you. Up until then, there was no bridge. There was no place. And so the Lord is actually outlining, this is the place where I'll talk to you from, with the shedding of blood. The place of the sacrifice, and this sacrifice is basically the sacrifice of the innocent in exchange for the, for the guilty. That's where I'll meet with you. No other place will I meet with you other than the place of atonement. Just so you know, atonement means literally God and the sinner are brought into a relationship in which they are one, at one. God and the sinner are brought into a relationship in which they are at one. What brings them into relationship? The blood. Not only this, do they have to sacrifice, they had to do it every day. In Exodus 29, you shall, each day you shall offer a bull as a sin offering for atonement. Actually, I like the New Living Translation. It says it like this, each day you must sacrifice a young bull as a sin offering to purify them, making them right with the Lord. Atonement is what makes us right with God. This is really important. What makes us right with God? Well, back then it was the blood. You can see where all this is pointing to. The blood brings God and the sinner into a relationship in which they are at one. So back in Leviticus, for the life of the body is in its blood. I have given you the blood on the altar to purify you, making you right with the Lord. It is the blood given in exchange. Everyone say exchange. exchange. For a life that makes purification possible. The life of the body is in its blood. So the question is, what's in the life blood of the body of Jesus? How would his blood be different than a bull's blood or a ram's blood. Well, let's think about that. Jesus was the incarnate God, son of God, son of man, son of God. He had human blood pulsating through his body and yet he was God. So that means that his blood, it's like our blood, but his blood is a little bit different. His blood, because he's still alive, is eternal. It's endless. His blood is divine. I have given you the blood 
on the altar to purify you. It is the blood given in exchange. His life for my life. His life for your life. His blood for your life. This is why the sacrifice of Jesus' body is so pertinent. The life of the body is in its blood. His eternal, endless, divine, sinless life is in the blood. Now we see why songs were written. There is power in the blood. Oof. The blood is given in exchange for your life. Atonement is the exchange. I will meet you there. I will talk to you there. I will talk to you from this mercy seat. I will talk to you. I will interact with you there. The exchange basically is this. All the evil due to come upon us came upon Jesus so that all the good due to Jesus might be available to us. This is the gospel. wanted to look at something in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty nine. Paul is talking to the Corinthians about communion and he's connecting, or maybe I'm connecting the dots uh, for the sake of this message to what we're talking about. But the life of the body is in its blood. That's what we're focusing on right now. So if the life of the body, whether it be a bull, ram, this time it's, it's Jesus how is his blood different from the other blood, from any other sacrifice? It's enormously different. So much so that Paul says, while taking communion, for anyone who eats and drinks, talking about communion, without discriminating and recognizing with due appreciation that it is Christ's body, eats and drinks a sentence a verdict of judgment upon himself. We're going to talk about this in a minute. That careless and unworthy participation is the reason many of you are weak and sickly and quite enough of you have fallen into the sleep of death. In other words, he's saying, you have completely missed the importance of what you're holding. The, the elements that you are holding are symbolic of what he's done. So many of you are you're still sick because you haven't caught what he's done. It's the why behind the what. We've got to know the why behind the what. Jesus died. That's what he did. Why? In First John. 4.10 says this, John says this, this is love, 
Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Jesus is the atoning sacrifice. What does that mean? He's the sacrifice that satisfied the wrath of God. God saw his sacrifice and said, I'm good. I'm good. From all the past to, to the end of the age, I am good. This sacrifice is enough. I'm satisfied. Jesus is the atoning sacrifice, the place of atonement where God and man are brought into relationship in which they are at one. Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, how are we made right? Because wrath was satisfied. It's good. He's good. I now have peace with God. Jeff Dollar now has peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. The peace that I have is actually due to his punishment. In Isaiah 53, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Notice the exchange. He was pierced. He was crushed. His punishment brought our peace. His wounding resulted in our healing. The exchange. Peter, in 1 Peter, says it like this. 1 Peter 1, 2. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Isaiah said you are healed. Peter, after the fact, is now saying you were healed. So that means that in God's eyes, healing has already been accomplished. It's all accomplished through what Jesus has done. Everything's been accomplished. Ephesians 1, 7, Paul says it like this. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. Amen. Jesus is the place of atonement. He's the cover, if you would, of the Ark of the Covenant. He's the cover He's our mediator. 
It's through him that we have access to God. It's through him that we are accepted by God. His blood was given in exchange for our healing, our peace, and our righteousness. Now, we don't use that word. But basically, it means for our right standing with God. Because of his blood, I now have right standing with God. So, Jeff, this makes no sense. You're right. It doesn't. First John 2, John says, My dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. He himself is the sacrifice that atones. He himself satisfied the wrath of God. He's the one who pleads your case. He's the one who pleads my case when I sin. I, um, <clears throat> there's a friend of ours who um, uh, told me this. She had a, she had a dream. And so she, uh, her, her father, not in the dream, but in real life, her father had passed away some months before. And in the dream, her father called her. And so she picks up the phone. She said, it's one of those old phones that's on the wall with a cord. I know some of you don't know what a cord is, but <laughs> like a rotary phone. I know that's like, what's he talking about? Look it up, Google it. Um, <clears throat> call her. And she's like, uh, dad, hey. And he's talking to her. And she's thinking, oh my goodness, my dad's calling me. How can he be calling me? So, but she didn't want to hang up on him. So she's continuing to talk to him and she's asking him different questions. And then she says, how are you doing? And it's almost like he either didn't address it or he ignored it. And she thought, oh no, uh, uh, dad, I, I ask you why, how are you doing? And he said, huh, well, I'm having trouble answering that. And she said, why? He says, because here there are no self-referential terms. So, spoke this first service, similar thing happening in the room, similar thing happening. Where the Holy Spirit is taking a truth from Scripture and He is applying it, massaging it into our spirits, and He's creating 
This is coming through as living understanding. This is not mental assent. This is living understanding, living, breathing understanding. Paul said, I pray that he would enlighten your eyes. I pray that, you would res- that you'd get a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you would know what is the height, the width, the depth, the breadth of the love of Christ. Because it's going to take, actually, help from heaven. It's going to take help from heaven in order for you to comprehend this. It's going to take help from heaven, heaven in order for us to comprehend this. Now, the difficult thing is, I don't know what to do next. (laughs) Tell you what, when in doubt, wait. So, Lord, we, we don't come before you, we, we are here. Lord, Father, I ask, Lord, that you would capture our hearts with the magnificence of Jesus. I ask, Lord, that you would enlighten our eyes of our heart, that you'd open the ears I ask, Lord, I ask, Lord, that you would grace us, grace this house, Lord, with the fear of the Lord. Jesus, would you draw us to you? Scripture says that if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would draw us to you. We thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing. the evidences of you walking in our midst, not just here, but churches all across the world. Thank you, Lord. Lord, honestly, I I don't know how to end this. I don't know. Other than to say we thank you, Lord. going to wait. Let's just wait just a little bit.
want to speak this over you. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak, speak to Aaron and to his sons, saying, thus you shall bless the sons of Israel. You shall say to them, and I say to you, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance, his smile on you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the sons of Israel and I then will bless them and I bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you like prayer, we'd love to pray with you. Uh, what helps is if you come to this aisle right here. Let me tell you something. If you, if you want to stay, you can stay. It feels almost a little bit irreverent to shift when it's, it feels like, I don't know what it feels like out there, but where I am, uh, it's, it's pretty heavy up here. And uh, if you want to stay, you totally can. Becky just said, uh, in this place, I wonder if there's a place that for those of us, if there's an opening to rededicate your life to the Lord, knowing that everything that he's done for us, for you, to receive it. So what, <clears throat> what I'm feeling is, is there are people here that in order to, it's this whole math equation. If I will, if I do, then he will. But if I don't, then he won't. And there's truth in that. It's not the whole truth. There's something today from a religious standpoint where you've had to work to earn his, you felt like you've had to work to earn his attention, his acceptance, his approval, his provision. You feel like you've had to work for it because you were never good enough. And the Lord is here this morning to make an exchange 
his life, his blood for your life. And so if that's you, stay right there where you are. We're just going to pray. But we ask you, Father, we, we come to you, Jesus. We come to you. And based on what we've read today, what, we, what we've seen today, that you are the sacrifice. Your life was the sacrifice that satisfied eternally the wrath of God. And you turned, you took my punishment that I deserved and you made an exchange for what you've paid for. And if that's, if that's you, I just, just say, I, I just receive everything that you have for me, Lord. I receive everything that you have. Receive all that you provided for. I receive, I receive, I receive. I believe, I receive. Think what we're, one of the things that we're uh, talking about is it's, it's, it's one thing to believe it from, from your head. It's another thing to receive it from your heart. So we receive what you've done for us. We receive the forgiveness. We receive the erasing of condemnation and guilt. Every place where guilt and condemnation has hounded you, in Jesus' name, Lord, I, I ask that you would Deliver us from that voice. I ask, Lord, for what it talks about in, in Scripture, that there would be salve for our eyes that we'd be able to see. And where shame has had you bound, in the name of Jesus, Jesus cancels shame. He took your shame. He took your guilt. He took your condemnation. He took it. We thank you. I want to speak this over you as well. This is in Joshua 23, verse 14. Joshua is telling the children of Israel, he's basically saying, I'm about, I'm about to leave this earth. But he says this, you know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled not one has failed. Can I just tell you that's astounding because of all of the places where the children of Israel walked in unbelief, the Lord was still true to his promises. And I'm telling you this, the things that he has promised you, they will not fail. He is faithful even when you and I are faithless.
I just really feel like um, there's a place for us to do a repeat after prayer. Um, so if you would, what do you say? Repeat after me. <laughs> Lord Jesus, I come to you today and I ask that your blood would wash over me. Wash over me afresh and anew. Change my heart. Change my spirit. Change my spirit. Open my eyes. Open my eyes. Open my ears. Open my ears. Open my heart. Open my heart. My spirit. My spirit. To receive all that you have for me. To receive all that you have for me. I repent. I repent. For any unbelief. For any unbelief. For any turning away. For any turning away. For magnifying the enemy. For magnifying the enemy. Over your lordship. Over your lordship. I come back to you today. I come back to you today. I ask that you would be lord over my life. I ask that you would be lord over my life. Lord over every area of my life. Lord over every area of my life. I surrender. I surrender. Everything to you. Everything to you. My life. My family, my finances, my health, I come back and I choose to believe that everything that you died for is for my inheritance to receive. I receive it now. I ask that you would break through in my life. I receive your healing. I receive your healing. I receive your restoration. Receive your restoration. And reconciliation. And reconciliation. Of all things. Of all things. Wash and cleanse me. Wash and cleanse me. I rededicate my life to you now. I rededicate my life to you now. Be Lord over all. Be Lord over all. Do what you want to do. Do what you want to do. And I will give you all the glory. I give you all the glory. And all the praise. And all the praise. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah.